Welcome to the A Plus EdTech Podcast. My name is Ashley McBride, and I'm an instructional technology facilitator from North Carolina. Last week, I was able to present and attend the ASCD Empower 17 conference in, ha- in Anaheim, California. While there, I had a chance to sit down and talk to a few of the other presenters. In this episode, I had the chance to speak to the presenters of Redefining Homework, Flipped Thinking for the 21st Century. Ross Kaysen, Edward Alderelli, and Jeff Huguenin are all administrators from New Jersey who led the teachers in their district to rethink how they assign homework. All right, if you could go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Ross Kaysen. I'm superintendent of the Freehold Township Schools, which is in Freehold, New Jersey. We are a K-8 district with about 4,000 students. We have two middle schools and five elementary, and I'm in my sixth year there. Morning, everyone. I am Jeff Huguenin, the principal of the Joseph J. Katina Elementary School in Freehold Township. Good morning. Uh, my name is Eddie Alderelli. I'm the principal of the West Freehold School in Freehold Township. How is homework an equity issue? I think homework often is based on what teachers had done to them as students. So often they assign things that require students to buy materials, to need support at home, to have some supervision, to have uh, parents much involved, not only from a time standpoint, but also a purchasing standpoint. So often you have a situation where you have haves and have nots, kids that have access to those means, access to parents, parents that want to help, sometimes parents that actually do all of the work, um, where other kids go home and they just don't have that support Um, So it often does a balance between the the different uh, achievement gaps. So I I would add to that that some of the research indicates the optimal environment for students to be working at home on assignments is one where they have a limited amount of time to spend on it that's age-appropriate for them as students, and it is work or tasks or projects or assignments that they are capable of completing on their own without the need for additional support. So when we talk about the differences in varying home environments, it can be influenced either way in terms of whether or not there's supportive family around to assist, if it's necessary, if it should be that way, or if the student should be tackling the work and completing it on their own successfully. Yeah, and I think when you speak about equity, too, you know, the equity from classroom to classroom within within uh, any particular school. You know, some teachers' policies... Um, are are completely different than other teachers' policies that are directly across the hall, and the students travel between those those pieces. And uh, without that continuity, I think it, it makes it difficult to have some meaningful uh, home, homework assignments. I love your surgery comparison. Uh, could you explain that comparison to the listeners? Sure. We really believe that our work as educators is on par with the medical profession. And as highly esteemed as the medical profession is, we call out to all of the teachers doing the fantastic work they do day over day, the administrators, everyone who's part of a school community, to put themselves on that same level, to realize that they're working on brains every single day, that they're helping students learn successfully, and to really take pride in that and not to downplay it and not to allow it to be usurped by other people outside of our profession who maybe don't see it that way just yet. But it really sort of raises the caliber of everyone's perspective about the work that they do and calls them to take ownership and take pride in in how we interact with our students and help them grow and learn successfully. 
Now, you guys are all administrators. We are. Um, so when you started to get your teachers to rethink their homework assignments, what was their response? Was it all positive? Were there some negatives? I think for the most part, it, w- it was very positive because we really started with our vision of our district, and that's having students being leaders of their own learning, actively engaged and curious members of a global society. So if we all buy into that vision, and that's what we want, we can talk about any practice and saying, does that fit? So there were some things that, you know, were challenging for teachers to have them start ask, having kids ask questions at home rather than solve problems. Some of the grading policies maybe had questions them, but I think for the buy-in of, yes, we need to change and do things better, and again, Jeff talks a lot about the research, and it says the current research, the way homework is currently given, doesn't really impact learning. Um, can we do something that does? And we know good teaching matters, quality matters. So if it matters in the classroom, it can matter at home too. And and to to piggyback off of that, I think it was liberating for them. In other words, Ross talks in the beginning of his presentation that homework practices traditionally are based upon what was done to them, right? So almost out of obligation, teachers were assigning homework without a purpose and intent and without the opportunity to reflect on it for the next day. And I think that once we began to engage teachers in this discussion from a policy, a research-based, um, and um, practical uh, uh, implications practice that it, it kind of made sense to them. And they were, they were liberated in a sense that, you know, that, that kind of aha, the light bulb went on and said, oh, now, now this makes sense. It's, it's matching what I do in the classroom. Yeah, so it was probably helpful that you showed them all the research before you kind of came down and said, hey, this is what you're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. Absolutely. Sure. You know, we joke around, and we, we are so fortunate. We work with some remarkably talented teachers yeah. in our district, and we're, we're proud of that and, and love that fact. And we joke around and say, the mindsets are typical across any school. There's three types of mindsets. There's those high readiness individuals who are ready to charge forward with information that makes sense. Then there is a second group that's kind of watching to see what they do, and if it makes sense, they'll follow along. And then we've got some who are kind of stuck in their mindset where they're saying, what are they doing and why are they doing that? And in our case, those two-thirds jumped right at it and kind of came along, like you said, because we explained it in a way that it made sense for our families that we care about. It made sense for uh, our practice based on the research. And then we add in the resources that they need to be able to be successful with it through the technology that we have in our district. So all three of those approaches get us to where there's an excitement about moving forward with the work in the far majority. What does your technology look like in your district? Are you guys one-to-one? We are. Um, we are one-to-one. Probably much after fourth, before fourth grade, the kids do not take the Chrome or Chromebook district. Don't take them home with them. But after that, pretty much it is a one-to-one and the kids are taking them home. Okay. What common mistakes do teachers make when they're assigning homework? I think the, one of the biggest mistakes, um, and we really try to promote that during our presentations, are they don't think about the objective of the assignment. They just assign it because they think they're supposed to assign it. So I think once you start really thinking about the objective like you do in your classroom, the reason why we want somebody to complete this, right away it starts to elevate what is being done at home because they see the connection between that and something else. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, oftentimes they're following, um, you know, what they believe to be a, a process, whether that's looking at the teacher's manual and saying, oh, you know, I just taught this math lesson. It says to give this worksheet tonight. I think that those are, those are common mistakes 
in that not every student needs to practice the exact same piece um, for homework. So they need to think about it in, in terms of what's in the best interest of that particular student. And that's when we talk uh, a lot about the personalization of homework and the relevancy behind it in that if a student's mastered the concept and has demonstrated that in your class, it's probably not something he has to practice or she has to practice that evening. That's a good point. I have a kindergartner, and he's on first or second grade math. He keeps getting kindergarten worksheets, yeah. and we have to. he has to do the worksheet for the class, and then I end up yeah. printing something off online to give yeah. him. So they need to be more, and that's what we talk about. What would you do in your classroom if that was, if that was the case? Well, you would probably dive deeper into that standard, right? And maybe have that student explain it to another student or, or develop some type of interest-based project around that standard or skill so that they can demonstrate their understanding in a, in a higher cognitive uh, uh, manner. So what should a student homework load look like? Well, Ross does a great job because he he points out that our profession typically has not addressed this topic in teacher preparation. So when we ask in a room full of attendees who's ever attended a class in their undergraduate training related to homework, who's gone to a professional development session by their district or, or anywhere, about homework. It, it's just, it, it doesn't exist at this point. And so when we talk about what that typical load should look like, teachers are going based on you know, only what they know, which is what happened to them without the knowledge of what homework should be and could be to really be effective for homework. So in terms of the workload, we frame that in one way. The National Education Association and the National PTA Association, two large national organizations with huge memberships, talk about the 10-minute rule per grade level. So time is the least important aspect of homework, and yet that continues to lead in the conversation. People begin with that, and it really should be at the bottom of the list. But those two have established that, and we kind of support that, 10 minutes in first grade and then on all the way up through high school. There is a place for homework. It can be effective and help kids grow and learn as long as there is a specific and uh, meaningful purpose to it. And we go in depth in that through our presentation about what those are. And one of the things that you guys mentioned that I absolutely loved, especially as a parent, was that you guys said that the teacher needs to make clear the objective. Correct. Can you guys talk a little bit on that? The purpose, classroom practices or any type of lesson always begins with the purpose of what we're doing. So whether that's a behavioral objective, whether that's an academic component, students need to understand what, how what their, the activity relates to the context of learning, right? But when they get home, it becomes about completion. It becomes about compliance, and it becomes about uh, turning in that work the next day so they're not penalized for a grade. It's never about the type of work that they did or their ability to understand. Traditionally, it's about, okay, you've done this. Let's move on now. So, so that's some of the, I think those are the conversations that when you bring that to light with teachers, they really start to see a, a shift in their thinking and their, and, their, and their practice. And it's interesting when we work with some teachers, often they say, well, I really didn't know of my objective. I just was assigning it. And maybe, you know, I'm not sure what I'm doing. And we say, well, there's times where you probably won't assign homework. Again, if you teach a lesson and it bombs, in, especially in like mathematics, the kids should not go home and practice that because it does then store that into long-term memory. It's, we messed up today, let's put a pause and come back and reteach it tomorrow, not go home and try to figure this out. And, we, and that's why we really build upon those principles of the assignment should address three criteria. Students should understand the objective. They should be naturally curious about it and be able to ask questions to foster further inquiry and, um, and research and application in something that's of a high level of interest. 
and you should be definitely getting feedback, not only from the teacher, but from their classmates, which is just as powerful to improve their learning. And you mentioned a couple of technology tools. Yeah, yeah. so we, we, we try to leverage the use of technology because that is it's based upon what students are going to have to do in the workplace. Um, you know, we show a, a rubric of, uh, you know, what Google uses to kind of vet potential candidates for their organization, and they involve things like collaboration, leadership, um, thinking, uh, purpose. So we try to match some technology tools that really highlight those pieces. So uh, one of them that we that we demonstrate near is a, is a, a platform that's uh, dedicated exclusively to student inquiry, which is Verso. Um, the second one is Kaizena, uh, which talks exclusively about feedback. And they're great forums because you can invite whole classes and particular groups of students to participate and comment and interact in a manner beyond the hours of 8 to 3. So, you know, Ashley, to, to add on to that, one of the, the difficulties is people, especially in our sessions, because we don't have enough time to really elaborate the, the solid educational thinking behind it, but people tend to think that the technology is the solution. But the way Ed incorporates and shares that is really about sound instructional practice. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the vision that Dr. Kaysen set for our district about personalizing learning for students. So our use of technology is really about personalizing learning for the kids and getting them with the resource that they need that's going to help them at the right time. So technology standalone by itself will not solve this issue. It's got to be part and parcel with sound instructional practice and the four components of of personalized learning. So, right. So what are some things that teachers should look at when they're developing their homework assignments? I think that they should look at the, what are they expecting students to do? Does it fit into the context of the three categories that we discussed? The amount of time that it's going to take each student to complete that task? Um, and if they can provide them with some feedback to improve their learning. And speaking of time, um, you suggested they do something where they time themselves at home. Can you talk about that? One of the struggles that we all know to have existed over time are those, those battles, if you will, around the dining room table where parents are thinking they're doing their best to help their child complete their homework and their child is struggling and it's going on and on indefinitely. So we talk about the value for a teacher in establishing time limits. So the example we walk through is one where we say, if you were to frame your assignment differently and say, tonight, complete as much as you can within 15 minutes. At the end of that time period, draw a line under it and send it back to me or submit it electronically if that's the platform you've assigned it in. And the teacher is the one who's going to benefit the most from that, actually, because they get different types of information. They can see... How many did this student get correct? How many were they able to complete in that time? How many were incorrect? And and it can be useful in the formation of small groups for the next lesson the next day. So it's less about the student in that example, and it's more about the information the teacher is getting. And then it is a big part of that family dynamic. By establishing a time limit, you sort of dictate how long that family is going to be involved with homework over the course of the night. We found great success with that. It takes it off the, the table for parents, you know, uh, takes it off the table jokingly about how much time they're going to spend on, on homework because the teacher is defining it for them. And I think the last thing you want is a student that is struggling to struggle on hours on hours to try to get something done that he or she doesn't understand. Um, then that student, and I, I joke about it in our session, but during testing week, we don't give any homework because we want the kids to be well rested, their brains to be ready to do well on that test. But during the time we want them to come in and learn, they can be up all night and struggling for hours on homework. 
homework. So by putting that time limit in, whether it be you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and you say you're done, again, it takes that struggle at home off the table. It allows kids to rest and rejuvenate and be ready to learn. Um, and it also, as Jeff said, it really gives the teacher valuable data that it takes this student this long to get this done and another student, you know, half the amount of time. Are there any other uh, methods or suggestions or tips that you have for teachers? I think the overall message is that our, our classroom practices have come so far in, in just the last few years, and our homework practices probably haven't changed in the last 50. And we need to make sure that, that those practices that we expect teachers to do in order to advance um, student learning in a classroom are reflected not only during the school day, but, but for homework as well. And I also think that, again, we're not asking teachers to work harder or smarter. So a lot of times the teachers create something that creates time to make for kids to go do at home. A perfect home learning assignment is think about our class today and write down two things that you learned, write down one question that you still have, and rate yourself as a learner, one, two, three, four, five of your understanding of this. That takes information, it changes it into the channels of working memory to long-term memory, so it helps prime the brain, but it also then gives the teacher so much feedback rather than creating a worksheet or a ditto that was either too easy or too hard for every student. We're all about helping kids grow and learn. And right now, based on our awareness from all things considered, this is not a tool that's being utilized effectively right now. There's great potential for it, and we're trying to introduce a new pathway for people, a new way to think about this and consider this for, generally speaking, the good of the students so that they'll grow and learn more effectively and beyond the hours of the time that they see us in the school day. I would like to thank all three of these administrators for taking the time to speak with me at the conference. You can find Mr. Kaysen, Mr. Alderelli, and Mr. Hugan's Twitter handles in the show notes at aplusedtech.com. From my website, you can also sign up to receive the A Plus Ed Tech newsletter, or fill out the pre-show form to volunteer to share your expertise on the show. We want to learn from you, too.